turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, IndustryGreetings.com, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are. Um, We've had some weather, but I think this weekend we're actually going to be out of it. So that's pretty much a prediction of me being 100% wrong. So whatever you plan to do, um, don't worry. It'll it'll rain or snow on you because I said it's going to be a good weekend. That's the power I have behind the microphone. Hey, as you know, folks, this show, we talk about Second Amendment. We talk about hunting. We talk about combatives. We talk about guns, gear, all the great stuff in life. And we try and find interesting people because if you just had to listen to me for an hour, you would all play Jeffrey Epstein in your, in your home. So um, the, the hanging part, just, just the hanging part. So anyway, we're not going to, uh, to go through that. I want to bring on my special guest here. This is Brent, Brent Dagan, D-A-G-A-N, Brent Dagan. He's from California. He's actually from San Luis Obispo, which if those of you have never been there, that's like the place in California you want to be. It's a central coast. It's beautiful wine country, uh, lots of wild boar out there. If you want to do some hunting, you've even got fishing right on the coast. It's a, it's a pretty nice place. So anyway, Brent, how's your morning going? It's going great, Philip. How about yours? Very good. Hey, so let's, let's go a little bit of background on who is Brent and uh, your history, if you will. Sure. Uh, real quick, it's actually Dugan, D-U-G-A-N. Well, why'd you put down Dagan? Ask Dan. I screw up everybody's name. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what I do. Um, well, my background. Or, my name, uh, right. Yeah. So today we're talking about combatives, and of course we went to, so kind of keep it to that realm. Uh, got into like the MMA um, back in high school. I graduated in 05. And as you talked about San Luis Obispo, we had a really healthy MMA scene back then. That's this is where Chuck Adele's from. That's back in his heyday. Um, from there, I went into the Marine Corps and I got into their, the McMap Marine Corps martial arts program, which is a pretty rudimentary program. You know, they have to base it for base level guys. I have no combatives experience at all. But that was still fun, and it was nice using weapons with grappling and fighting and things like that. Um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was a deputy sheriff for about 11 years, SWAT guy, sniper element. Um, but during that whole time, I was training Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But ironically, um, I never really put the two together. I spent a long time of my life carrying a gun and a lot of time of my life grappling, but I never really grappled with guns involved too much to really pressure test things and see what things uh, work and don't work. Right. So what was, what was the training that you received in the military for that? 
So the military, you know, they'll start off, they kind of try to do a hodgepodge of different martial arts, things like judo, jujitsu, Krav Maga, Aikido, whatever it is. Um, and so sometimes when we're doing like live grappling, they would introduce like a fake knife or a fake gun or something like this, or we may have a rifle, like a rubber M16, somebody grabs it, how to get loose from that. That's kind of the extent of it as far as fighting with weapons involved. And and you felt that that was something that you needed. Well, you were you were on the police department and SWAT team. What about your training there? You know, um, in the law enforcement world, um, jujitsu and grappling is just now starting to take somewhat of a hold. Um, I still think that's a huge deficit in training, and it was same true when I was on the SWAT team. A whole bunch of shooting, a whole bunch of CQB, all this great stuff. Uh, but not really. Well, what happens if I'm clearing this tiny room in this tweaker's tra- trailer and he grabs a hold of my gun? What do I do besides muz- muzzle punch him? You know, so um, really the training. That's what bayonets are for. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so really uh, not much training when it came to um, my time in law enforcement. And as I'm sure you're aware, law enforcement is so undertrained. I think it's every two years post mandates, four years of some sort of handcuffing, um, hands-on techniques, which is obviously laughable and terrible. Well, okay. So that's what post recommends, but if you are putting on the badge and a gun and walking the streets, especially in a lawless place like California, um, what responsibility is that of yours for your training? I know guys say, hey, well, I'm going to train less to get paid. And there's that kind of mentality. But, hey, you're the one with the family uh, who's got that job. Uh, what what percentage is it your responsibility? Well, it's, I mean, it falls on you almost 100% to look for that training yourself. However, that doesn't get looked at when it comes to the liability aspect until you see some sort of egregious video where it looks like an ex, you know, excessive use of force, which in my mind, it's usually just a lack of knowledge of force. So that way you have to keep escalating that use of force because this person's not going into cuffs. So if you don't know how to handle them, then of course, it's just basically a street fight. So uh, law enforcement officers. The street fights are never pretty. They end up with five, six guys on one. Someone's trying to hold an arm, hold an ankle. Just yeah. so it really, doesn't um, play well on video. It doesn't at all. You know, the fights look. Fights look bad anyway. So if you're some citizen sitting on your couch and you've never been in a fight or seen a fight, you don't want to know what it looks like. You've just seen with the movies. So you don't know how chaotic and messy it looks. But to go back to the law enforcement and their training, um, they're grossly undertrained and most guys just don't seek it themselves. They love going to shooting classes. They love doing firearm stuff because they think that can be an answer. They don't really correlate. Oh, this person's not going to be able to take my gun. You know, it's definitely undertrained. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I, I I believe, well, look, I'm a civilian and I was at these classes. I believe it is our responsibility as free people to make sure that we are trained for the situations. You know, we do a lot of talking on this. We do the uh, CCW Safe podcast uh, with Rob High. And man, we are ringing the training bell all the time because it's so important. People don't understand, especially when you start adding in a stress factor. 
you know um there's there are matches like small local matches wherever you live like an idpa international defensive pistol association or ipsic or they call them lisa out here but uh, lesa there's all these different matches you can go to with a firearm and it adds movement and a timer and that's all uh, and people watching and that adds that your level of stress from when you're shooting at the range, making pretty little holes in the target to shooter ready, beep, and all it is is a buzzer, right? But but you watch your performance decline. Well, you watch my performance decline. I should be clear about that. Watch my performance decline all of a sudden uh, horrifically. And so stress-induced situations are really, I think, the edge of training we need to be looking for. How about you? I couldn't agree more. You know, in my jujitsu school, then you're correct. (laughs) You know, my jujitsu school, I can do little drills like, okay, I'll have two guys grapple and everybody else is going to watch. And just that you can see how much different these people react, how stressful they get, how much they're more straining, all this stuff, just from having people watch in the gym that they train in every single day. By the way, in jujitsu, I am the best flow partner to have. Okay. I just... (laughs) Easy, old man, not an issue. We don't want to end up uh, riding an ambulance anywhere. So, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy you want. I'm a good Uki. Um, you can beat me up. It's not a problem. I kind of like that. Um, okay, so we've noticed that that's missing. You noticed it was missing in military. You noticed it was missing in the police department training. And that's not to say that it is vacant in all police departments or in all branches of the military, but in general, there's a vacancy there. And as we've discussed, it is your responsibility, you being the person who's the first responder. And if you've ever listened to this show, you know that everybody is their own first responder. If you're there, something happens, you are a first responder. You're first on the scene, even if you're the victim, especially if you're the victim. So we have a responsibility for ourselves, for our loved ones, to have a level of competence in defending them. And I think that this combatives area is something that people should really look into. Tell me your thoughts. Couldn't agree more. I tell people all the time, I post on my Instagram, you know, no one is coming. And if they are coming, they're forever away. You know, when I was a deputy sheriff up here in San Francisco County, I worked in the North County region. That's seven, 1,750 miles. King City, just north. That's in Monterey County, but it's 1,750 square miles. And from maybe giving out trade secrets here, but from 2 a.m. until 6:30 a.m., there's one car with two deputies in it to cover all of that. So if I'm 45 minutes away, well, you better help yourself for quite some time. Well, that's 45 minutes away if you're cleared to come right then. You're not Absolutely. engaged in something else. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially people in the rural areas. You know, we've talked about that before, but you have to be self self contained, self aware, self protecting. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back here with Brent Dugan, and he's at Paragon BJJSLO.com. Paragon P A R A G O N BJJSLO.com. We'll be right back after this. Springtime is just around the corner. Soon it'll be time to get back outdoors and soak up a little sun. And we need it. So why not enjoy the outdoors or the things you love in the field or the range, in the lake, or even in the stream? It's a great time now to get stocked up with the gear you need. 
Turner's Outdoorsman is California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, and it even has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and member specials sent directly to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman's, savings you deserve on the gear you need. It's definitely expensive to advertise for your business, but not advertising is more costly to your bottom line, especially in this current economic climate. While we all know that sending Christmas cards to family and friends is an American tradition, we forget to extend that tradition to our customers and business associates. So show your appreciation for customer loyalty and remind clients that you and your company are still ready for their business. But don't just send any card to take advantage of the marketing opportunity that you're looking for. Your cards need to stand out. IndustryGreetings.com specializes in industry-specific Christmas cards. Whether you're an accountant, contractor, realtor, welder, or anything in between, our creative and exclusive card designs are the perfect fit. So head over to IndustryGreetings.com and search by your industry. Or check out our patriotic or religious Christmas cards and order today. That's IndustryGreetings.com or call them at 800-431-9161. IndustryGreetings.com, 800-431-9161. I use them, so should you. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, welcome back to Boomstick Radio. Philip Naiman here. Check out our podcast at FiringLineRadio.com. It's all the audio cast. We're redoing our whole website there. We actually have sponsored discounts listed on the vendor page, so you don't have to try and remember them when I say them too quickly or forget to say them on air. Just go to FiringLineRadio.com, click on the vendors pages, and we've actually got their discount codes listed right there, 15% off. 20% 20% off, a million percent off. It's all there. So um, I think we're giving away um, lifetime lessons at Paragon, BJJ, and Slowtown today. Is that is that what we have down here, Brent? Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Must be present to win. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's always a catch. Yeah, we gave away um, uh, Fieldcraft. Mike Glover was on, and he had some CBD stuff that I wanted as fundraisers. So we gave that away. We give away... Uh, we've done a lot of vortex optics. We've given those away. We've given away McMillan stocks. Just it's, we've got great vendors, a lot of, a lot of cutting edge bullets, uh, and mag light flashlights. So we've got great vendors, folks help them out. Um, go to our website, firinglineradio.com and uh, get a, get a discount, get some great gear. So there you go. So Brent, your background was MMA and slow town. For those of you who don't know, um, us natives call it slow. It stands for San Luis Obispo. Okay. It doesn't mean that things are slow there. It's just what it stands for. There's a college there, wineries, beautiful place. Anyway. So in San Luis Obispo, as you mentioned earlier, there was a huge, um, contingent of MMA fighters coming out of that area. Right. That's true. Chuck Liddell, Tim Kennedy, um, all that stuff. So you said you ran into that like in 2005. What was that culture like? 
Um, yeah, so I started at Slow Kickboxing in 2004, and that's an affiliate of The Pit, which is all those guys you just named. That's where they came out of. Um, the culture was, it was good. It was eye-opening. I was 16 years old at the time, and these guys are grown men who are trying to make a living fighting in a cage, especially back then when you're making, you know, 100 bucks in any casino, maybe, uh, for your fight. So the scene was rough, um, but it was good. I loved it. I love that gritty walk in the gym. It's got that sweat smell to it. I, I thought it was great. Learned a lot. Learned a lot quick, the hard way. Right. But, I mean, it was a... Um... It was a whole different time. I mean, now it's almost like, well, not that the guys are any are worse, but MMA and UFC has brought it up to a level of professionalism training. It's almost like, a, you know, they're doing Lance Armstrong style uh, scientific training now, as opposed to just lift weight, sweat, die, and bleed uh, back in 2005 with those particular guys. But that's where you started. You got into wrestling also? Uh, just like submission wrestling. And I didn't wrestle in school at all, just in MMA gyms. And so what switched you from kickboxing to jujitsu? I just kind of liked it more, you know, uh, for one, it sucks going home every day with a headache. Um, <laughs> kickboxing. but I just liked it. I liked the, there's something about it, you know, the, the puzzle trying to figure it out and doing the grappling portion. I just really, um, was driven towards. So you've been doing jujitsu around 20 years then? I took quite a long break a little bit when I was in the Marine Corps. So I would say it's been more around 13 to 14 years of actual solid training. And if somebody says what they hear about this all the time, what is jujitsu? And uh, they'll go to YouTube and they'll pull up a match and they see two guys standing in a square and one guy gets down on his fanny and scoots across the thing towards them. What, what is that? Yes. So, well, jujitsu is almost 90% takes place on the ground. So you're trying to control somebody, move to a submission. So guys who lack good takedowns or who have a good guard, they sit on their butt and they play guard. Guard is a position where even though you're on bottom, you can be very tricky, very crafty to either do something called a sweep, which means you come on top, or you can be very crafty, different submissions and get somebody in some sort of arm lock, stranglehold, leg locks, something like that. But the... um... Pull, that's called pulling guard when they start off on somebody just sits down and starts up on the bottom in a tournament. It's Correct. game jujitsu. It's what you do because you're scoring points for your, your team. It's, you know, it's the volleyball version. It's not street jujitsu because if on any of your encounters on the SWAT team, you rolled up on the bad guys, you sat down and scooted your fanny towards them. How's that going to work out? <laughs> not too well. Right. Yeah. If you're on the, we played rugby and in rugby, the rule was if you're on the ground, you are the ground. So, you know, you're going to get stomped. You're going to get kicked. You're going to get whatever. It doesn't matter. You should have been on the ground. So when people see that there's a difference between combative or defensive jujitsu and tournament jujitsu, right? That's correct. So you see Gordon Ryan, unbelievably talented man, but the game, game he's playing or what he's demonstrating is a lot of tournament style jujitsu. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just want to point that out that, that the, uh, the original part of it, or the part that probably the listeners want to take away is the combatives area. Um, what are some of the highlights? I mean, obviously jujitsu was started by, well, Brazilian jujitsu was brought to us by the, the Gracies, even though they didn't found it jiu-jitsu but they they brought it to america um 
But wasn't it one of the, the mantras about a smaller person would be able to defend themselves better using these techniques? Uh, absolutely true. Still true to this day. And then, you know, for instance, I have a 10-year-old daughter and she's a tiny 10-year-old. She trains all the time. I regularly see her strangle up boys who are much larger than her. Because once you're on the I ground, never want to roll with her. <laughs> yes. There's no upside. Because once you're on the ground, people think that they're going to have some kind of innate ability or their instincts are going to kick in and they're going to do something good. But somebody just who has a low level of jujitsu training is going to defeat that person because uh, they have a goal in mind. They know what they need to do. They know how they're going to get on top or take the person's back. They actually have a goal rather than just squeezing and hugging like most people do innately. Exactly. And and it's amazing to me. I mean, you, you have the Jocko Willow links. They're talking about this stuff all, all the time. Uh, and Tim Kennedy, they, they say that jujitsu is their superpower. Um, but it's amazing that if you just had a little bit of training, and I'm talking six months, maybe a year, the difference between somebody with zero, which is what you're probably going to run into on the street, and you is substantial as far as your safety is concerned, wouldn't you say? I, I absolutely say. I would say it's it's almost it's so hard to describe to somebody because it's almost unbelievable how effective it is with, like you said, about six months of training. You know, they, they don't they don't believe it until they feel it themselves. Until they get the new guy coming in who who uh, is trying to throw his weight around, and all of a sudden they say, "Now nah, this isn't going to work." Yeah. yeah. So, so then we're trying to marry this, marry defensive tactics, being on point, having good awareness. Right, that's the other part of all this: having good awareness, being on point, uh, being a protector. But not everybody plays fair. There are ambush situations. People carry weapons. Uh, we should be carrying weapons, defensive weapons, right? So what's kind of the next level here that that you've seen besides just jujitsu? Well, trying to marry the two. You know, if you're going to be carrying a weapon, then you need to figure out how you can keep that weapon on yourself and actually be able to use it, right? Um, people that carry guns all the time and have never done any type of training of how to retain their gun, they have you know, what are you going to do? Is, that hard? Is, is it hard to retain a gun? extremely hard if if you're not trained right you pull it out and you think you're going to shoot you pull it out of your purse or something like this and somebody just grabs it from you real quick look down for your holster or look down for your purse or backpack where the gun is right um on the police department it's not really a secret but you guys have level two level three retention on your holsters what exactly is that so level three um so they have what you would see on somebody's holster called the hood right a hood is a basically a piece of plastic that goes over the you know the back part of the slide there. So when you reach down, your thumb hits that, it makes the hood go forward. And now there's a, it's called an ALS. So there's a little button right by your thumb. So when your natural draw stroke happens, you activate that mechanical button and it releases the gun out of the holster. Uh, so so I mean, that, that's the Safari Land style, which I think is a great, great uh, method. Your thumb just is right in the right spot, pops it and releases the gun. Um, Safari Land holsters don't use any retention around the trigger. They use it on the trigger guard on the front end of it. So there's no retention around any of the moving parts on the gun, which is extremely smart. Uh, you don't certainly want to have any kind of a discharge. But if somebody is facing you and they reach forward and they grab your firearm as a police officer, what are their chances of freeing it? If everything is you're standing there and everything is in there, it's pretty hard to get it out if you're standing straight on with somebody. 
right? If they come around behind you, that's a different thing. But straight, straight on, excuse me, folks, most police departments have holsters that have a security feature in there to defend from somebody reaching over and grabbing a police officer's guns. Those of us in the concealed carry world do not have that. So we're going to talk about that when we come back here with Brent Dugan at uh, ParagonBJJSLO.com. And I'll talk about why he's on the show today when we come back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, or read my book, Experience Matters, Here's Mine, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to Escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. Hi folks, Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Spartans! Lay down your weapons! Get them. Hey folks, welcome back to Move On Lobby Saturday. Philip Naiman here. Hope you're having a great day. I'm here with Brent Dugan. Brent and I became close personal friends a couple weeks ago. Um, no other way to describe that. When we did a combatives course with Rogue Methods. Now, Raul Martinez had been on the show before. We talked about it. I did say I was going to go ahead and take one of his classes. And I did tell you guys, if you wanted to come beat me up, uh, when to show up. But, you know. Hey, I put it out there, uh, but you were kind enough. People were kind enough not to show up in droves just to womp on me. But we did this rogue methods class. And, and the reason is just like we're talking about in our first couple of sessions here. If you have a firearm or a knife, you're carrying it. You have a responsibility not to lose that thing. Right. Um, in Arizona, they have open carry. So I'm just sitting at a at a place and a guy walks in and he's got a Beretta PX4 in an open top leather holster behind him here. And he's leaning on the counter talking to somebody. And then I saw another guy come in for breakfast 
and uh, he had a literally a flap holster on his thigh. And I'm just, I just don't think people understand. And these are both older guys, right? They don't understand how vulnerable they are when they're carrying a firearm like that. What What are your thoughts? It's insane. Why would you open carry in the first place? Why would you show what you have, let alone have some kind of terrible retention system, like you just said, right out in the open? So we can just well, gravity is a good retention system. Yeah, absolutely. What could happen? Maybe what these are, maybe these are actually like prop guns and they want somebody to grab them and they'll, you know, oh, look, that guy had a gun. It wasn't mine. I don't know. I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense because I think that bolting one or strapping one on makes them feel more secure but they don't have a real idea of what's out there. You know, I remember years ago, we watched videos from prison, not that I was in prison, but they were actually filmed in prison of the guys on the yard practicing moves that would get them behind a cop. Like they go to be handcuffed, ducking under, swinging back around, coming around behind the officer, being able to grab their pistol from the same position the officer would grab it from, which would release the gun. You know, those guys exist. Um, there, there are very, very bad, bad people out there. And, you know, I conceal carry all the time. Uh, op- the only open carry I think I'd ever do is a Ruger Vaquero 45 long cold slung low, slung low on my side. Right. You know, <laughs> a couple of spurs that, that's okay. But, but other than that, I don't, I don't see your advantage. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about this before. You could be walking down a supermarket you got a 1911 on your back hip, locked and cocked, looks beautiful. Guy grabs a can of beans off the counter and takes out the back of your head. It's his gun, right? You, you had you had it concealed, there, you wouldn't have been the target for that. So not that it happens every day, but I believe, and I'm not against open carry. I think open carry needs to be thought out well in advance if you're going to do it. You know, put on a one-point sling with an AR-15. Go shopping. I don't care. I don't care, but make sure you don't lose your weapon, I think is what I'm trying to say. So people don't train for this. They don't train for losing a weapon. Who ever thought of such a thing? You know, and and the time frame, how long does it take? If you and I were together in a room or close proximity, and I made a move for you first, I initiated action, how how well do you think you'd be able to draw from concealment and defend with a pistol before somebody was on you? Oh, about a 0% chance that gun's coming out on target. <clears throat> right. And so that that's what we learned. We learned that, hey, man, it's not shooter ready. It's not like that, especially when, you know, um, action beats reaction. So if you're talking to somebody, see a police officer, uh, right? The first thing I always say is show me your hands, show me your hands, all that stuff. But, but if that guy decides to just jut on you and he's within five, six feet, there's no way you're clearing a weapon. It's going to be a hands-on, a hands-on. Or if you do, you might get it knocked loose because all you did was get it out of the holster. And now it's even a worse situation. So to learn to fight with a protective bent about protecting your weapon and defending yourself. Um, how, if, how important is that in your mind? It's of the utmost importance. 
if you're carrying this weapon that's made to do you know lethal harm, stop a threat, then how do you not think that if you don't know how to retain it, that that's not going to be used against you? It's if you're carrying people. I don't think they realize it. I don't think they realize just how vulnerable somebody is trying to draw from from retention or concealment in a high stress, someone's in your face, punching you in the nose situation. That's right. You know, it's an it's an ironic thing. They're carrying the gun, thinking they're being safer, but actually, that introducing that gun by themselves is making them less safe. Yeah. So um, we did a lot of drills. Why don't you talk a little bit about this course with Rogue Methods? Uh, we did a lot of drills, drills. My hands are still sore. Um, I don't know about you, but my one hand we know about, but the other hand is still the knuckles are sore on that one. That's the good one. Um, tell us about the drills and, and what you, how you felt about that. Um, I like the drills. It was good. Um, cause it's not often that we start with a pistol out and then we allow somebody to get grips on the pistol. And now we need to try to fight loose from that pistol. Um, it's, is eye-opening to see if you don't have it in a secured spot by the grips that they show and how you're going to hold it. That's easy for somebody to twist it at least towards you, get that muscle muscle facing you. Um, and then it's difficult to see where you're going to get your muzzle going to be able to get some sort of effective shot on your adversary. Um, so it was great having these drills because that's what you need. That's what we do in jujitsu all the time with the live rolling is you get to pressure test what you're actually, you know, in theory going to do. I think the most, uh, this, this occurred for me when I did the, the sheepdog course uh, last month, but especially again, um, how effective a knife is, right? Um, we see this all the time about why did the, why the officer, that guy was 10 feet away and he shot the guy with a knife. Yeah, well, um, there's some drills you can do, right? Get yourself a plastic dummy fighting knife. Uh, what do they do? They they rub the edges of it with lipstick, right? Don't use your wife's fancy stuff. And tell her you're going to buy it because if she sees it in your truck, you're in trouble there too. So <laughs> you, you'll be fighting for your life when you get home. <laughs> but, you know, the guys will have a white T-shirt on, and it's just a striking drill. Stop somebody from just hitting you with the blade because a sharp blade, even a light hit is a cut. And all of a sudden you'll see just how you look like a tiger stripe. You've got red everywhere. And it is amazing how dangerous knives are. And I think that the public needs to know that because police officers have every right to shoot somebody with a knife or scissors or running with scissors. You should do that too, because that's very dangerous. Um, What was your, did you train with knives before? Very little. Um, and after this course, I realized that I would much rather fight somebody who has a gun than a knife, especially if it's some kind of striker fired some out of a pistol where they might get one round off, but I'm going to do some malfunction and that gun's basically out of play until somebody uh, clears that malfunction with the knife. It's in play, man. And oh. it's and, and so then you, you do a double hand, right? You, you grab their arm as you're wrestling for it. And your hands are on their arm, and then they switch hands and start killing you again. The the knife was, it, it was, I really think everybody should take that kind of a course just to see how dangerous the knife is. Just so if you're ever on a jury, you can actually say, oh, no, no, no. You know, 
that somebody's eight feet away with a knife. That's a shooting. That's a shooting scenario. He won't put it down. He's not calm. He's he's coming at you. You you shoot till the threat is gone, um, because that is absolutely the only way to defend yourself. They are sneaky, maneuverable. You know, we even had two people on one. Right. Those, those we did those drills where one guy had a knife. Two people tried to disarm him. They all died. They, it wasn't even close. I mean, it was so easy to cause the strikes with a knife. Um, it, it was very eye opening. So, folks, if you're ever in a situation, somebody has a knife, you better think safety first. Distance is your distance is your goal. Right. You want to make sure that you're away from them. Um what were some of the other drills that you had? Well, we're going to take a break here, but what were some of the other drills that, that you thought were worthwhile? Uh, when somebody has their hand on your pistol in an appendix style carry and how to deal with that. Uh, I really like that drill. That's why I carry every day. So really applicable to myself. And uh, yeah, it's great. All right, we're going to talk about that when we come back. Folks, Philip Naiman here with Brent Dugan. Brent Dugan of Paragon BJJ SLO. We both took the Rogue Methods course last week or two weeks ago. We're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come back after this. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. Springtime is just around the corner. Soon, it'll be time to get back outdoors and soak up a little sun. And we need it. So why not enjoy the outdoors with the things you love in the field or the range, in the lake, or even in the stream? It's a great time now to get stocked up with the gear you need. Turner's Outdoorsman is California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971. And it even has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and member specials sent directly to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman's, savings you deserve on the gear you need. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Yes! Great hunter. Yes? Yes. Fine figure of a man, yes? Yes? Yes. That is all you need to know for now. Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Um, Philip Naiman here with Brent Dugan. Brent of Paragon BJJ in Slowtown, California. Uh, we did the Rogue Methods class with Raul Martinez. Raul is uh, well, he's basically based out of Arizona now. But we did a test with or a course with him in uh, Escondido. He does them in Phoenix. 
he's all over the place. I think he was in Texas last week. But uh, Raul, as he's been on the show before, you know what his his background is. And we did this combatives class with him, learning retention on concealed weapons, retention on knives, uh, all that other stuff. As we just cut from our last segment here, Brent said one of the best drills he thought was protecting his firearm when somebody else has seen it or put their hand on it, well, it's an appendix appendix carry. Brent, tell us about that. Um, yeah, so we started with somebody's hand and appendix carry. Uh, who knows how you got there, obviously, in whatever scenario it happens. But how to deal with that? Because before this class, you know, I'm obviously a BJJ guy, and giving up your back is possibly the worst right. thing. Ever in so, so BJJ guy, folks, he's a black belt. He's from the Lovato school. Uh, he's been training for 15 years. Yeah. He's not just a BJJ guy. Um, so when he says this about what's intuitive and, and so forth, it's, it's years and years and years of training, decades of, of training with this guy. So yeah, let's be honest with that part. Okay. So it's hard to describe the drill, and if anybody has their doubts, they need to uh, take a course with Raul. But anyway, really trying to grab that gun and getting yourself on the ground, giving your back up was very eye-opening to me. Because in jiu-jitsu, it's, well, I would just take his back and strangle him unconscious. Or I'd beat his head in, smash his head into the ground. But what we saw was when you're the person who's trying to take the gun away, it's extremely hard for one to clear that gun underneath the person. Secondly, if you're going to try to strangle me, do you ever make a choke? Well, I still have control of my gun. So either I can try to shoot you in the ribs. I can shoot your elbow off once you have me fully locked in. So I'm going to have at least six seconds before I go to sleep, sometimes 10. Um, and secondly, if you try to strike me, you're going to release some of that pressure that you have on me. I'm going to be able to turn towards you and at least get one round off. Um, so I thought that was very eye-opening that we were purposely giving up our backs. But uh, after pressure testing it, it makes great sense. Because if I stay facing the person, then it's almost a tug of war with this gun. And, it is. And you can't clear it and you can't use it. And then the way that, you know, you're, you're just trying to hold it and the other person's stripping it. So that motion is going to eventually work in their favor. You just can't, can't handle that. No, it was a very interesting thing. And like you said, um, his method was when somebody had their hand or, or did it, you, you shielded your gun with your body, dropped to the ground, um, and then you had control of your gun. They couldn't get it because your body weight was shielding the gun. You were able to get it, clear it, and then roll, not Raul, roll um, in a tight. You know, you couldn't just be lazy. You had to kind of be in a tight little ball, knees knees and elbows together, and and rolling underneath the person, which allowed you to shoot them right in the breadbasket, in the, in, in the sweet kidneys, um, or whatever they're called, the hangy down parts. Uh, was pretty much where everybody seemed to get shot, but hey, that's going to get uh, that's going to get attention. It's going to get somebody going the other direction in a quick fashion. So I highly recommend that. Um, we did have uh, there was a, a training incident. I don't know if you heard about that, but we did have a training incident at the end of Sunday. Did you know about that? I I heard uh, something briefly about it, but I was confused what happened. Well. So if you're going to look at our YouTube page here right now, you'll see uh, this was my left hand while I'm sitting in the emergency room. Um, that finger's not supposed to go that direction. So we were wrestling for the gun. It got caught in something or kicked. Who knows what happened exactly? 
but uh, this was a, this was kind of a full com- combo uh, course. This picture is x-ray, folks. I know it's radio. It's hard to see. But if you look at your uh, dial on your dashboard very intensely, the pictures will come through. <laughs> All right. So if you're on our YouTube channel taking a look at it, you'll see this x-ray in my left hand. I had what, ended up with what's called a volar dislocation, where the bone actually slides below the other bone. Um, looks pretty cool. I mean, the best part about it was everybody who saw it went, Ooh, including the doctor. And I said, Hey, you know, doctor, you need to have a little better, uh, poker face. If if I can stand through this, the doctor shouldn't be going, Ooh, but, um, you know, things happen and you just have to work through them. So fortunately this happened at the end of the day and uh, then it started raining anyway. So I didn't want to be, be there anymore. than I had to, but, um, it it looks like about a six week uh about a six week event before the the healing happens. So, you know, you're training, things happen, that's why you have insurance, that's why you sign the waivers too. But um it could have happened on the street, you know, and, and what do you do? You just have to work through it or or get shot. So anyway, um what were your main takeaways from this particular training would you do it again uh for one uh philip is definitely practicing what he's preaching this guy wanted to keep going with me with his finger snapped and having some weird angle so anyway kudos to you well um, I, I was holding it in front of you and you were getting sick so that was a weapon <laughs> got squeamish uh uh the takeaways were what i said before um really uh, another idea that he kind of said was when we're putting our hand over our gun to protect it is when you get a round off, well, now you've induced a malfunction in the gun, which is kind of good because now that gun's out of play. At least you know what you need to do to clear it to get it back working again. So if the guy gets a hold of it, the bad guy, maybe he doesn't know how to clear it, or at least you know that he's going to have to clear it for it to work. Or, so or he doesn't know he has to. Yeah. Right. So that was a good takeaway. Second takeaway was... uh Knives are absolutely terrifying. I want nothing to do with them in a fight. Yeah. And using my body to shield the gun, even if I'm giving up my back. Uh, those are kind of the three biggest things that I really took away. You know, another thing that was interesting, um, we did a lot of close quarter shooting. Not not a lot of shooting, but what we did was pretty specified. And your hand was almost on the muzzle, obviously not over the muzzle. That's not how I shot my hand. I didn't shoot my hand, by the way. But um, But you were around the concussion on that gun. And he did the, some drills just to get people comfortable with that, that you can have your hand over the slide. The gun will go off. It's not going to tear you up. There's not concussion. But one more thing is what if you have a ported barrel? If your concealed carry pistol has a ported barrel, you could, and you have to use some of those techniques because Things have gone south because people have gotten too close, and now you have to fight that way. Um, you could be damaging yourself. You could put yourself out of the fight with a with a ported concealed carry pistol. What, what were your thoughts on that? Absolutely, I never thought about that. I don't carry any ported um, pistols, but it's very true. You know that that gas and everything coming out of that thing that's going to tear up your hand, tear up your clothes, tear your body. But if you have to shoot super close, if you're you know indexing off your own ribs or something like that, it's Probably you should reassess if you're carrying a ported gun for a concealed carry. Yeah, I mean, one of the other, the high retentions we had was was holding the gun up against your chest, against your chest, um, using your using your body as a frame. But 
if your gun was being fired in that manner and you had it ported, it's going off just below your face. You can be blowing debris and possibly into your eyes or, you know, it. So again, it helps, you know, I have a beautiful ported pistol. I didn't bring it, but I, I got this one. I thought, man, that's really nice. And then I was watching that. I'm like, you know, that, that makes perfect sense not to carry that. Don't put that one on your, uh, on your CCW uh, list because if you have to use it in a particular manner, it can cause you a lot of damage and maybe make you lose control of the firearm. If you had to pop a round off with your hand over the top and the ported, and because of the surprise, the heat, the pain, whatever, you drop your gun, that's that's a really bad day, right? Right. You can't run around going. <laughs> it's true. And it goes to what our theme has been. You got to train. Train with what you're carrying. Actually see if it works or not, right? You think you're carrying around this amazing ported pistol, and then your first training, you realize, oh, this isn't working. But if you never train, then you're going to think it's God's gift to guns and all this stuff. And it's not going to work out in a real life scenario. You know, another thing like this, the SIGs, uh, a lot of guys had SIG 365s there. They had the, the smaller ones and, you know, manipulating those with two hands, it almost was difficult without putting your hand in danger uh, just because of the barrel on that. So anyway, lots of things to think about folks. And all of these things come up when you're training. Right. This is the free stuff. This is how you learn what's going on. And uh, it's much better to pay the price in training than on the street. That's my particular thing. Folks, I want to thank my special guest, Brent Dugan. Brent from Paragon BJJ Slowtown. Um, ParagonBJJSLO.com is their website. Brent, you do owe me a hoodie. I am going to hold you up to that. You can ship it to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you. I enjoyed training with you. I enjoyed having you on the show here today. And any parting no, that's thanks for so having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. Training was great. Uh, you can follow my Instagram at uh, Paragon underscore BJJ underscore Paso as the handle there for the Instagram. And uh, if you're not training, folks, you're out of your mind. And don't forget Valentine's Day. Yes. God bless. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, IndustryGreetings.com, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor to the show, Sean Gibbs of Ask Defensive Training Company. They're in Redlands, California. They also sell guns and ammo. But the most important thing that they have for you here today is their training courses. Ask, kind of an interesting name. Why would you call it that for guns and ammo? Well, Ask stands for Attitude, Skills, and Knowledge. And that's what they focus on at Ask Defensive Training. Sean has basic courses for a first-time gun buyer. If you're not familiar with your firearm, you want to be able to use it safely, perfect place for that. He has also additional courses for defensive handgun, advanced handgun, and even learning how to shoot a firearm in low light situations. Bring your mag light. So folks, check them out at askdefensive.com, askdefensive.com for a schedule of classes. He's got a great store in there too, so buy what you want, train what you want, askdefensive.com. Traditional investment strategies may not be as reliable as you think. 
Hi, folks. This is Philip Naiman, host of AM590's Firing Line Radio Show, heard Saturdays at 1 o'clock, and the founder of Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. Our world is changing dramatically, and your investment strategy should be changing too. Now's the time to get a second opinion. Our mission at Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management is to help you on the path to pursue your financial goals while addressing risk. Our approach to financial planning is based on the biblical principles of stewardship. We'll guide you every step of the way, removing the mystery of retirement planning. So call us today for a free consultation at 909-406-1144. That's 909-406-1144 or online at cornerstonecwm.com. Our second opinion service will test your current strategy against market risks to identify any weak points. So don't wait. Call today, 909-406-1144. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. AM 590, the answer.